Hi, and welcome to Reclaiming Reality. We are three buddies looking for some truth from a Christian perspective. My name is Ben. We got Nick and Charles on the line as well. And today we are talking about the documentary, The American Gospel. This was a documentary that we actually all watched independently of each other and went, man, we got to talk about this on camera to some people because there are some huge messages in this documentary. I doubt we're going to cover half of what we all have. I doubt we're going to cover a tenth because there's a ton of great stuff. There's some questionable stuff. We just want to get into it. So without further ado, Nick, why don't you open us up, man? Tell us, I, I think you were the, the most interested party in, in this documentary. Would you tell us why we are discussing this today? What's the whole point? Sure. Uh, so I think it's important to start off by saying that Ben told me to watch the American Gospel Christ Alone, and I did not. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, and I did not want to. I was immediately opposed to it. The walls went up, and I was like, this is just going to be another verbal harangue of Christianity in our culture, and I, quite frankly, don't have the time to listen to that. But I decided to suck it up, not be a baby, and watch it, <laughs> and... Uh, I honestly fell in love with the first hour of how it presented the gospel. And we'll talk a little bit more. I don't want to give too much of a bias or sneak peek yet. But I think it has an important message. That's why we're talking about it today. I also think that there are some elements that they might have missed that are worth talking about today. So yeah. that's a good place to start. Charles, what about you, man? Man, let me tell you something. Just from the jump, I've seen so many things that of people just being mad at the gospel and at the church. And I've always wondered like why, you know? And once I saw this documentary, it kind of put those things into like a very painfully obvious hmm. situation. Right. I had understood and thought that a lot of those things were, but I didn't see it articulated so clearly until I watched this documentary. Yeah. And as I kind of went through it, I honestly thought, you know what? There's a lot of truth that has been left on the table, and there are a lot of things that still need to be talked about. So I'm excited to get into this documentary and talk about what we learned, because there are some things in the church in America that we just need to say flat out are wrong. And it's time Absolutely. to make some of these things clear. Let's get after it. What you thinking, Ben? Man, I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. And kind of just a heads up to the listeners, we don't plan this out. So we're just going to start and it's going to be free flowing. So guys, I think we should start with the first half. I think there's a pretty, as Nick alluded to a little bit ago, I think there's a pretty clear distinction between the first half and the second half in terms of the message and, and kind of what they're trying to accomplish. So maybe we just start with the first half, go there, because I think there's probably going to be a lot more agreement and support with the first half if I, if I had to guess. The first half goes after the prosperity gospel, goes after people like Joel Osteen, Kenneth Copeland. Some of, the, some of the real big names out there, we're talking, if those names aren't familiar to anyone, we're talking guys who fly um, on their own private jets, live in multi-million dollar mansions, and are pastors at the same time. Whatever of you mega churches. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of mega churches. Um, 
And first off, uh, on the pastoral level, there's definitely an issue with that. But second, there's an issue with the doctrine that they're promoting. So let's, let's draw a quick distinction, guys, to kind of lay our groundwork, right, to find terms between gospel and prosperity gospel. The gospel is another word for good news. It's, it's the Christianese way of saying what Jesus has done for us and how he has given us salvation. Pretty simple. On the other hand, the prosperity gospel is a perversion of that. It's saying, hey, if you believe in Jesus, he will make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I, I just want to come out and say it. It's disgusting. It is absolutely nasty and the complete antithesis of everything I see in scripture. I see Jesus telling people to put their crosses on their back. I see 11, or excuse me, one killed himself, 10 out of the original 12 apostles martyred. The gospel, for anyone listening and for you guys, the gospel does not promise you a chill life. It does not promise you a happy life even. It promises you a good life with God. And what makes it good is the fact that you get to walk with God. Um, what do you guys think about the prosperity gospel? After you, Nick. Uh, honestly. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. It, On to your truck. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, it really does make me sick for a variety of reasons. Uh, I think they do a really good job at explaining that in the documentary. So if you haven't watched it, we go, we would urge you uh, before you even listen to finish, continue listening to this discussion. That and you it is on Netflix it. right now. It's on Netflix. Yep. And Amazon Prime. Um, so they do a really good job at juxtaposing the biblical gospel and the prosperity gospel. And frankly, it's important to talk about because it's led a lot of people astray, I believe, mm. in our culture and wherever else our nation has exported the gospel. So it's repulsive. It really is filled with a lot of lies. Um, and I think the biggest issue is that it takes the emphasis off of Jesus and really puts it on yours truly, uh, you. So I think that's the biggest perversion of it. We'll talk a little bit more details as we, as we unpack it, but that's, a, I think, the, the biggest thing. Charles, what do you think? Bruh. First off, I want to address whatever sound you just made. Um, <laughs> This, <laughs> the prosperity gospel, it's, it's essentially, how do I say, the worst part about it is I fear that it has become so pervasive in our culture that it is, when people say Christianity, that's what they think mm. of over the true Christianity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, you know, we talk about Christ was, he was a cool dude. You know what I'm saying? He's like the dude I would want to be, and you know, I, I love my dad, but he'd be an awesome dad if he ever had kids, but that's beside the point. Um, he lived a life literally going and doing good, helping people and being God. And that's a very important part of that. Right. And we talk, talk all the time about, you know, what the world needs is goodness what the world needs is kindness what the world needs is love and all of those things are true and all of those things are wrapped up in the persona of who christ mm. was and if that wasn't enough right he was god which is not a small deal either right which shows the only way you can be those things is if you know god furthermore 
if God is who he says he is, then the person that Christ is has to be a reflection ultimately of that, right? That just makes sense. God has a son who is also God, even though that's a little bit confusing. <laughs> um, but he embodies the personalities of God, who is kind, who is loving, who is pure, who is good. And now we're asking for all of those things, and we all can corporately agree that the world needs more of that. But when the church steps up to say, this is what we have for you, it's mistaken for this prosperity gospel that says, hey, yep. you know, here's the money. Here's the car. Here's the foodalicious bad wife that you've been praying for. Instead of saying, hey, here's the thing that's going to heal society. Here's the yeah. thing that's going to heal humanity. And I think saying it is disgusting would be an understatement. Yeah. I think it's the equivalent of a doctor seeing that you have an issue and then giving you, like, for example, it's like a doctor saying that you have cancer, right? And deciding to prescribe to you antibiotics. It's not addressing the problem at all, actually. Yeah. Even though he has the answer. Yeah. And that's really, it's beyond disgusting. It's devastating. Yeah. I think they did a really good job in the documentary, too, of kind of connecting uh, what you're saying now to the general American idea of be a good person, which is something right. that it, it, that isn't directly a prosperity gospel idea, but it definitely touches on the same things. The prosperity gospel is kind of saying, hey, believe these things, do these things, give enough money and you receive you reap what you sow. And I don't remember his name, but one of the people they interviewed I thought said it so well. Um, he, he said they're confusing the giver with the gift. I, I I just I was clapping. I was like, that's absolutely right. Because what Christianity does promise people, what actually following Jesus does promise people, is the ultimate good thing, right? But when we take the ultimate good thing and we make that everything Charles just listed off, the big car, the nice house, the job, or the bootylicious wife, uh Bang, bang. <laughs> We're now placing those things over God and, yeah, making idols out of them. And all we have to do is be a good little Christian. All we have to do is go around and say the right things and dress the right way. And it just makes it so dull. It makes it all about the world. It makes it all about things that I can, I could get myself if I maybe worked hard enough. It's just so nasty, man. And frankly boring like intellectually dull and it requires so little of you because jesus requires a lot of you like if we actually want to do this jesus thing all the people who thought that they had it figured out jesus came around and in matthew 5 he was talking to a bunch of people who thought they had the law down and he comes up to them in matthew 5 and goes hey have you ever lusted after a woman if you have you're an adulterer and they're all like oh uh-oh. Uh, and obviously, Jesus is trying to say, hey, man, you are not as good of a person as you think. You cannot earn this. Like, the gospel is not something that you can buy. The gospel is not something that's going to give you good things on this earth. The gospel is something that's going to give you Jesus. And that's it. So, yeah, man, I think that's a good place for us to start. Charles, what's up? You know, that kind of leads me into, we were talking about Ray Comfort before we got started yeah. with this podcast, right? And he oftentimes goes up to people essentially with a microphone and a cell phone. Is like, have you ever lied to anybody? Which is a terrible Australian accent. <laughs> but 
have you ever lied? And they're like, yeah, of course I lied. We've all lied. It's like, have you ever lusted for a woman? I was like, six times today and it's Sunday. And that's just the way that it is, right? <laughs> um, And there are a lot of ways to go from that, you know? Like, I think, honestly, one of the biggest misconceptions that we have, and I know both of you have a lot more to say about this, but one of the most, the biggest misconceptions that we have is that if I only lust for a woman, I'm doing better than the murderer, yeah. right? Which is equally as say, just as bad as saying, hey, I haven't showered in three days, but I'm still cleaner than the person who hasn't showered in a month, right? <laughs> Sorry, boss. You still stink. Right. Nobody wants I to say I love that analogy, it, buddy. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that is spot on. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, the, the Ray Comfort... Um, method of evangelizing for for those who don't know is kind of showing people hey you're a sinner um even if you think you're pretty good at this the the standard is breaking the law and if you have broken the law you are now guilty under the law kind of that simple um guys this is a this is a pretty random piece this is not a central point of the documentary by any stretch um but i am a huge fan of pastor matt chandler from the village church who is featured pretty prominently in the first half of the documentary, not really in the second half. Um, and he brought up one point that I thought was worth discussing because I think it has some kind of wide reaching impacts. Um, he was preaching on David and he, he basically said, stop reading this story and thinking you're David. You're not David. This story is about God, this story is about the the next coming of Jesus. Stop making yourself David. And as as a fan of his, I on one hand I I totally agree, right? We need to not read the the documentary said several times the gospel isn't about us, but it is for us, right? And I totally agree with this. Um but I think there's there's almost a piece where I think some Christian theology can get almost worried to look deeper into things or around things because the importance of David is that he represented an archetype of a fallen sinful man who, who is still passionate about the Lord. And I couldn't help but thinking sometimes we get a little scared to talk about that sort of stuff and go there because it's so easy to manipulate that sort of message it's so hard to it, it because it's not a, directly scriptural if that makes sense because i do think there is a lot of benefit at looking at the life of david and wanting to emulate that and saying okay as david like cuz to some degree i am david i am a fallen man i am a lustful man i am um in jesus's words in matthew 5 again i have hated my brother and therefore i too am a murderer so in many ways, I am David, and kind of putting myself in David's shoes can be a very helpful thing. But I, to Pastor Matt's point, it also can be a very harmful thing if I'm making the entire story about myself. But I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Am I being clear? Do, do you see the issue that, that I'm trying to identify at least? Nick, you're rather quiet. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I think so if you could put that into a question what what would you say it, it would it be like is it good to identify with david or is it destructive to identify with david is that kind of the question that you're getting at that's pretty close to it um it's okay I, i'm trying to use david as as more of an example of to what degree should we place ourselves within the story 
Yeah, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, but I would say if you if you guys have ever heard Timothy Brindle, he's a rapper that Charles actually told me about a couple years ago. And he has a song called The Head Crusher, which is about David and Goliath. And he says that we're all telling the story wrong when we assume that we're David. So I think that's a really interesting yeah. point. And he says it's it's representative of Jesus who foreshadowing would crush the head of the serpent. Mm. And actually, Goliath had, I think his armor was referred to in the, as the same word that they use for scales, which is the scales of the dragon that's used in Revelation. So it was a, mm. God is all about illustrations, and we can learn so much from the way he, he gives us these archetypal examples to learn from but also apply them to our own lives because there will be times that i identify with what david is going through like in the psalm psalm 51 where he sinned and he's saying god you desire truth in my innermost being he's i can identify with that at times right and i could be able to use that psalm to relate to the father and say hey this is this is where i'm at but at the same time and it's scripture too so there's an important so we, we, we have the ability to use it. Hmm. But at the same time, uh, to say that I'm David is, I think, undervaluing the story of David hmm. and Goliath because I think it, it points to Jesus. And if we don't look at the Gospels through the, if we don't look at the books of the Bible through that thread of eventually pointing to Jesus, then we're really missing the whole point. And I think that's what they were trying to get with the prosperity gospel. Absolutely. Is that it, it takes the gospel and it takes the Bible and it puts you right in the center of it yep. instead of Absolutely. helping us totally realize that the, f- that the father's priority is his son. He exalted his son. And because we belong to the son, we get to be with the father and exalted with him too. And I think that uh, that illustration of David can kind of go both ways in that life. Yeah. But how does that make, does that make sense? It does to me. Charles, what do you got, man? I think that it's kind of odd that throughout the course of human history, we have found that humanity has a way of trying to make itself God, you know? Absolutely. And that goes all the way back, right? And we'll talk about, like, it started at the Tower of Babel, ultimately. And when you see a whole bunch of people come together, we're going to build a tower to go up to God. And essentially... God strikes them down and is like, nah, all y'all going to speak different languages now. Boom. And that's kind of an odd story when you just get into studying the Bible. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, why is this here? But it does kind of show, in a weird way, the repetitive nature of man to try to be like God. Yeah. And then throughout history, we see that same thing. Caesar, Augustus, um, Genghis Khan. All of How the about pharaohs, Lucifer's fall even, and Adam and Eve too? All the way through. Yeah. yeah. Right? Is we're trying to be like God. And in our nature to try to be like God and to take his place, what we've done is taken the gospel, which is about God, and made it about us. Absolutely. Right? And really, the entire Bible and even the, the epistles go into this where it talks, this is who God is and this is what he did. Therefore, be this way. It's the same thing. It mirrors literally through the entire Bible. The Old Testament tells us really who God is in a lot of ways. Mm. And then he comes to a point where he comes to earth. He lays everything down. He sets everything straight. And then says, go and do. 
And it's the same way through all of the epistles. What I found interesting is that if you go back through the Old Testament and you try to look for things through the lens of what is this saying about the gospel, some of the stories begin to take different form. For me, that all started with that same song Nick was bringing up, Head Crusher. It's by Timothy something with a B. Brindle. We'll have to put Brindle. Um, we'll have to put that a link in the description. But yeah. take that back to another part, right? Where, for example, Jacob and Esau, Cain and Abel, right? Throughout the rest of the Bible, it's always the second son who ends up being the hero, right? In that same way, the second Adam became the hero of our story. I like to remind right? my older brother of this all the time. Yeah. Oh, as do <laughs> I. Um, but we look at the gospel, and if you look at it more, I want to say poetically or metaphorically, through the lens of the mm. Old Testament to the New Testament, things start to make a lot more sense, right? Here's an example. The people of Israel, have you noticed, keep getting enslaved. That is like part of the Old Testament. And how that is still a manifestation of our nature to run back to our sin and our captors yeah. to be enslaved again and again, mm -hmm. right? We look at, oftentimes look at the Old Testament and say, oh, you know, God was kind of a jerk. Um, no. God was telling you the story about your own heart through the entire Bible, wow. literally Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. And it all becomes perfectly clear in that little piece about the Christ. Yeah. And when you see the Christ for who he is, it's impossible to unsee it, yep. right? And I think that's where the real life change turns. You know what I'm saying? It's not so much about following the rules, but once you know the God behind the rules, everything is different. Yeah, man. This is, I think you're kind of helping me elucidate what I was trying to say earlier. Um, which, can you say that word one more time? Elucidate? Elucidate. You're, you're helping me make more clear in my own mind um, what, I was, what I was kind of wrestling with is I think we draw a lot of false binaries when it comes to God, because we kind of, for example, like free will or predestination, um, all these different questions, like was, was Jesus God or was he man? Like so many of these questions that we come to the Lord with, I feel like we end up wrestling falsely, not falsely, but with no purpose because was guys, was Jesus God or was he man? Come on. Yes. Right. Are the Bible specifically says we have free will. It also specifically says we are predestined. I don't have an issue saying God is big enough to make both of those happen if he can literally craft a human soul. Just like the literalist versus the more metaphorical, I, I actually don't know the term other than literal, uh, s symbolic way to read the Bible. To some degree, to me, that answers also yes of, okay, let's read Genesis. Like, was it, is, is it being literal? Let's look at that. But also there's probably metaphor in there. If this thing was written by a holy divine God, there's probably a lot more layers to it than simply, oh, it's a science textbook. Cause that's what it's not. And it's also not just, just a book of poetry, even though it is that. Right. So I think, I, yeah, man, I think that's kind of what I was trying to stumble onto is to what degree do we read things like David um, and we can drop it here and keep going, but yeah, I think this is a really healthy thing for Christians to wrestle with because it comes out in the pulpits. It comes out in how we talk to each other. It comes out in our personal Bible studies. 
to what degree is it symbolic and to what degree is it literal? And how much do we read into things? How much do we not? And so on and so forth. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I yes. think you bring up a, a really huge point, Ben, about the binaries. And I, I want to I wanna come back to that later in the discussion. I have a lot to say about that. And I don't want to, I know we'll cover that in the end, uh, or at least the second half of our um, talk on the documentary. But for right now, I want to say that when we are preached the real gospel, the accountability factor goes way up. Because we, like Charles said, you, you're you told things for what they are and through the lens of God. And I just kind of wanted to remind us that he's the one we're going to have to give an account to. And I, I think what we think, at least the idea that they seem to be putting forward in the documentary is with the prosperity gospel, we want to know what does God say about us so that we can use that to have some sort of spiritual power or some sort of physical power, which is really centered around me. But if I know what God says about me based on now who his son is and what Jesus did for me, then that is like, that is where freedom is. Mm. And so there's a really big difference at putting myself as the object. But the accountability piece goes up in that I have, I, I really have to wrestle with these things, like you said, but also I have to look at my life and say, which one am I following? What what does this really look like? Because for a lot of my life, I used God growing up in the church to give me joy, to give me peace. Mm. And I said, oh, you gave me grace, so I need to keep going. And I was really using him for what I could get. And they weren't material things, because I'd like to think I wasn't that shallow, but they were spiritual things. <laughs> and... And that sometimes that's just as bad because yeah. there's a difference between what is the father and what is spiritual, you know? So all that to say, I think it's important that we take inventory of this and we really ask ourselves and we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what it, what it is that we're seeking so we can get on his track. Mm. Charles, I think you had something to say. I, don't, oh, I always have something to say. <laughs> Fair. So we just know. And that's kind of there is a duality that we do get oftentimes mixed up, you know. For example, faith and works and all type that type of stuff. Is does God want us to be peaceful? Does he want us to be warriors? Yeah. Is he strong or is he gentle? And it's hard to really in our human minds grasp grasp the fullness of who God is. Yeah. You know, and I think that alone, knowing God is it's incredible. And that changes everything. And that's something that no matter how much or how secular our society gets, especially post enlightenment or, you know, post 2008 or whenever we got all sensitive to religion, there is a longing in a man's heart to know God or something greater than ourselves. And we've seen that with from beyond Greek mythology to the Norse mythology, Celtic mythology, you know, Every nation in the world has had some sort of mythology, and that's all looking for who God is. Um, and all religion ultimately kind of has a similar tie to it, too. Ultimately, how do we reconcile? How do we get back to a point where we did good enough? Mm. How do we get back to a point where we are 
holy or pious or dogmatic enough to be brought back to God, or yeah. at least on his good graces. And you look at it that way, you know, a lot of religions across the world did that through sacrifice of an animal, typically. And now that we are in the 20, excuse me, now that we are in the 21st century, right? And we see this American gospel everywhere, that blood sacrifice that was once, you know, your pig or whatever, it's never a pig, but that's now become, hey, throw money in the, the offering basket. Yeah. Give enough that you will be reconciled to God, you know. Find a way to do enough, obey the right rules, and then you will be reconciled to God. And he'll give you what you need or want. And want and need is a whole nother discussion. But this it echoes the tales of old religion. Old religion that is not of God and is not biblical by any means. Mm. Yeah, man, I was actually... I posted something on Instagram, actually, kind of random, just something about um, how every religion's trying to get to God, right? And I had a buddy, um, really, really smart buddy, um, Nick knows him really well, who actually wrote me back, who's really interested in kind of the Eastern value systems. And, and he said to me, um, actually, the Eastern systems are different. A lot of times, like in Buddhism, you're not trying to get to God, you're trying to kind of detach yourself from the world, actually. Like your, your point isn't um, do, 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 and then you achieve. The thing is let go. And he goes, and that's, that's a really big difference. And I was like, okay, so what is, what is the Buddhist trying to achieve? And he goes, well, they're trying to achieve nirvana, enlightenment. And I'm like, okay, and how do they do that? He's like, well, by getting rid of all the stuff of this earth and meditating and, and saying some things. I'm like, okay, so what you're telling me is they do 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 and then they get a prize <laughs> it's like no it's the same thing every religion ever says the same thing you do these things maybe it's letting go maybe that's the do of that religion but you do these things you walk up the mountain and god's at the top of a mountain and eventually you're big and strong and amazing enough to where you can just walk up to god and be like nailed it <laughs> it's just so silly high five bro i know right like up top jesus what's up and it's like, no, 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 no. That's what's so beautiful about the gospel, man. That's why it's the good news. It's the first thing that came around and said, homie, you can't walk up that mountain. That mountain's really big. And Jesus walked down the mountain, put you on his shoulders, and he looked at you and said, hey, can I pick you up? And all you got to say is, please, please. And then he puts you on his shoulders and carries you up the mountain. And then he high fives you. And he's like, I nailed that. And you're just like, yes, you did. Thank you for nailing that. It, it, man, that's why, that's why Jesus is the best. Because the we got to get to the second half. Cause we're almost a half hour in already. So wow. second, I know, right? That's the fun guys. That's why we record a podcast is that we had these talks and <laughs> we, we talked forever. And we said, man, this is kind of fun. Um, and some of our buddies were like, y'all should, y'all should record it. And we were like, all right, let's do it. So second half, we've covered the prosperity gospel is bad. We went down a few rabbit trails that I appreciate you guys going with me. But now that we know the prosperity gospel is bad, the second half shifts kind of from the prosperity gospel into what the documentary identifies as the word of faith culture mm-hmm. or doctrine. Um, I don't think it would be wrong to say maybe the hyper charismatic movement to use some more church lingo. 
Um, and it starts to attack. I, I, I don't even want to say attack. It starts to heavily critique some. Yeah. I would say more to the center preachers and teachers than the Kenneth Copelands and Joel Osteens. It starts to, to bring in people like Todd White. Um, and if you, it, if those are, if those of you who are listening haven't heard of, of these names, don't worry about it. Please go look into them. We're not trying to mischaracterize anybody. Um, but I, again, I'd like to hand the floor over to Nick because Nick and I stumbled onto Todd White in college at kind of at the same time. And, and we actually used to, to watch him all the time. Um, and I know yeah. since college, Nick, you've been um, a big Todd White fan. I know you listen to his podcast a bunch. Um, we haven't talked too much about your thoughts on this pod, uh, on the documentary. But that's part of the reason I wanted to do this documentary with you, or <laughs> do this podcast with you, buddy, is I know you know a lot more about Todd White than I do. And I also know with this format of documentary, it's really easy to misquote people. It's really easy to pull things out of context. Like that's, that's one reason I love podcasts, guys. I adore this format because I cannot take either of you out of context. I can't edit this down. This is a long form dialogue. And I think... It is the way of the future for how we have discussions. Um, so I think the documentary style they're using is almost outdated, I would say, because you kind of take these three-second clips and then try to compile enough of different three-second clips to where you have a full picture of someone, and I just don't know how effective that is. So, so I guess I'm giving you a lot of precursors because I tend to agree with the perspectives of the film, but I know you know a lot more about Todd White than I do. So I would just love to hand this over to you, man. What do you think about their characterization of Todd White? What do you think about their characterization and how they equate the prosperity gospel with kind of the healing movement that, that we're seeing sweep th through the church today? Awesome. Uh, I'm, <laughs> this is the part of the documentary that I was most excited about talking about. Uh, thank you, Ben, for the intro there. I, I want to start off by saying what you said. They tend to make this a binary thing. And when you watch the documentary, you start to see that they're critiquing the more charismatic spiritual side, if you will, of Christianity. But you have to understand that they're doing it from a certain angle as well. And I, and I think that that's what they're trying to get you to kind of come to that side is, is how I initially felt. So there's a division, and I would call that the conservative Christian side. So let's say we have the conservative side and the spiritual side, and the documentary is a, is critiquing the spiritual side from the conservative side. That's where I'm going to. I think that's fair for the record. Make okay, cool. I, I, that's where I'm going to start the foundation of my point here. But to answer your question about Todd White, dude, I freaking love Todd White. Like he <laughs> he is a crazy dude. He's got like. It's unreal with what this guy has seen the Lord do in his life and how he's been used. And it has encouraged my faith so much. Listening to him speak, I've had to sift through a lot of things in the sense of whether or not, you know, one of the big things for him is he said in his earlier years, who should we pray for? Everybody. Who should you pray for healing for? Everybody. You know, and I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Jesus would have gotten very quickly overwhelmed if he prayed for everybody, but he listened to the will of the Father. But I digress from my point. I love Todd White. I think he's doing the Father's will to the best of his ability and and abiding to the to the level of his faith. 
But I want to say that my biggest critique with the documentary was this one thing. I think in their zeal and their passion for promoting the true gospel, they mischaracterized people like Todd White, who are also zealous and passionate about the gospel. And I think that they missed, I really want to nail this point. I think they missed the Father's heart for unity. Because while we are, if we're critiquing from one side, we're necessarily favoring the other side. So I went to the Lord about this. And uh, the verse that came to, to me first when I opened up my Bible was James 2, verse 1. And it says, brothers and sisters, don't hold the faith of our glorious Lord and Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. So if you're automatically lumping people in with something wrong, then you are kind of, by not favoriting them, you're kind of defaultly favoring another is, is kind of what I thought. So all that to say, I love Todd White. Uh, I love what the guys in this documentary were trying to do. I just think that they they missed a few things, the Father's heart for unity, and I think that they probably could have done that a little bit better and been less divisive. So what do you think, Charles? Oh, sorry, Nick. You cut out oh, there Charles. for Charles and I, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I just think they missed the father's heart for unity and, and made it maybe just a little bit more divisive than it needed to be. I got some money to say. Yeah, yeah I it. think Nick is probably still talking. Sorry, guys, we're having a little technical difficulties. Uh, if you don't know, we actually all live in different states all across the country. So we have to Skype in and we all record our audio separately. So that's fun. Uh, the devil didn't want heard what I was trying to say. <laughs> it was too powerful, the my devil brother. didn't want you to say it. The devil is a liar. Let me tell you something. And this is this is one of those du like duality things that par personally kind of gets to me in some ways, right? And then I'll tell you the backstory as to why. Because both of you and Ben and Nick, you were involved in the situation. Um, There was, and there is, rather, a church that is in Colorado. It's in Colorado. It's in Denver. And... The church I went to one day, I was just walking around and rolled up on it, and it was very, um, it was doing an incredible, an incredible homeless ministry. But I looked to the church and I found some of the things that they were preaching that I had some issues with, that I could biblically go to the Bible and say that according to what you're saying, this doesn't align mm. with the Bible, right? And then there was, I asked both of you, it's like, hey, listen, I was trying to give them all of this money because they're doing this incredible homeless ministry, but this is clearly unbiblical. What should I do? If my memory serves me correctly, I think, I'm not sure what you said, Nick, but Ben, I'm pretty sure you said, don't give the money. That's correct. Um, I'm sorry to disappoint you by saying this, but I ended up giving the money ultimately. Right, because I knew that they were going to take it and put it to that homeless ministry. But that's just to ruin the story. The point of the story is this, right? There is many churches, there, excuse me, there are many churches that are very quick to say what is socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. What is, fits the spirit of the times, what is culturally available, and what is very much, you know, tickling the ears, if you will. Yeah. 
but it doesn't necessarily mean what they're saying is true according to the gospel yep. and i totally agree that you know there there's god's call for unity amongst his church and that is absolutely necessary hmm. i think the trouble becomes do we honestly go to a point where we agree on what the gospel says or are we just kind of quibbling back and forth about what the gospel says instead of looking at it and saying, look, it, it, it says Jesus hashtag Jesus. Look at this page 968. Boom, Jesus. Right. And that's the important part of it. And I think part of what irks me about this, what this documentary is saying, and it is so true that we have decided that we are going to go what is cool and acceptable and fun over what the gospel says. Mm, yeah. And that leads to that divisiveness. Yeah. Um, now, I don't have a problem necessarily with Todd White primarily because I don't know anything about Todd White. But I do have a lot of problems with people who are willing to put the gospel on the back burner just to say what is cool. You know, we're not Abraham throwing our wife to say she's my sister so that I can get away with what's cool. Yeah. So I shouldn't be a pastor throwing the truth like it's the next best thing just to fit in. Yeah. So let me yes. caveat my answer to your um, not giving money to that church and, and say, I, I don't think that you should not give money to homeless people. Uh, just for the record, I just, my advice based on that, just because everyone didn't hear the context that's listening to the podcast. Um, yeah. My advice was it's based on context. there's other good churches around. Just give your money to those. So true. Yeah, totally. No. And I'm not, I agree. That is a tough one. I was just reading the book Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton, which phenomenal book, by the way. I never read it before. Um, and Chesterton makes a really, really interesting case for being hypercritical of doctrine. And his case Ooh. is basically getting... Church is so important. Church is so crucial. Church matters so much that it's a knife's edge. It's, it's sharp. It's, you know, like I love the analogy for love that love is handing someone a scalpel, right? And someone can use a scalpel to stab you with it, or they can use it to, to make you better. Um, and, and the church is no different. The church is just like that. The church is so important. And if we want to get it right, we have to balance on a knife's edge and any deviation could kill you. And I think that's a really interesting point and probably the best case I've ever heard for being hypercritical of church doctrine. Um, and on the other side of that, you have C.S. Lewis's case, which is kind of, hey, he didn't even care between Catholics and Protestants. He was like, man, you all like Jesus, shut up. And they, they both raise, I think, really valid points. And I find myself a little bit confused in the middle of, I, Charles, you were kind of bringing up at the end, we have to decide which are the hills worth dying on and which aren't. And since they're, I, I don't want to say that isn't in the Bible, which hills to die on and which aren't, but I, I will say it isn't explicitly clear on, hey, you should die on, let's say, LGBTQ issues. You sh the hill you should die on is females in pastoral roles. The issue, you know what I mean? It's not explicitly clear. Um, so that makes this really hard. I'm just throwing that out there. This is incredibly difficult because personally, I think Todd White, I, I've, I went and looked into this. I think Todd White endorsing Kenneth Copeland is gross. And his yeah, justification for, 
for justifying, um, excuse me, his justification for the endorsement was how much Kenneth Copeland has given uh, to charity. And he, he, he said something to the tune of $70 million. And what Jesus said is the woman who gave two pennies in the temple gave more than anyone else because that woman gave everything she had. Kenneth Copeland has a massive freaking ranch, three private planes, and literally a private army. <laughs> Excuse me, not literally a private army, a massive security force for his massive compound. Like, I don't care how much money he's given. Right. Like, that doesn't matter to me, and I don't think that matters to God. I don't think God cares about amounts. I think he cares about percentages of what we have. And, man, that... I, I, I Before watching this documentary, I was a huge Todd White fan. Personally, I don't know where I stand right now. I, I don't think I could come yeah. down in support, but I also don't want to come down in condemnation of him. I think they... Yeah. Sorry, Nick. Go ahead, buddy. No, go ahead. You can finish that thought. I, I was just saying that I think the documentary pointed out some really interesting cases. And I, I'm a military brat, for those who don't know. I grew up moving around all the time. And part of the nice privilege of that is I got to see all sorts of different churches. I've been in hyper-conservative churches. I've been in fairly um, charismatic churches. And, it's, and I appreciate both sides of it. Um, I think yeah. the documentary really did make some helpful critiques. So, Nick, I guess what I... What I'm curious what you think, man, is do we, what is, do we listen to Todd White first? Second, what is the extent to which we should have conversations like this and critique him? Because I, I texted you guys about this earlier. I think there is a little bit of an irony of us saying we want church unity and we're making a podcast and critiquing like the church who made this you know what i mean right which i think is funny and obviously i think we should be making this podcast that's why we're making it um but dude that's a tough question and i don't know the answer man and i i think you know a lot more than todd white about me and you're smarter on me than this what do you think bud oh charles is raising his hand what's up bro no you got something to say nick i'll wait (laughs) okay i i do if you don't mind uh i think the the underlying point behind all of this is that we we have access to the Father. I think that when we are following people, and I think this is what the documentary honestly did so well, is they showed that a lot of the people who listened to Todd White and, and Benny Hinn and other people that they lumped in with the prosperity gospel movement and word of faith, healing movements and all that, is that they followed the people. They did what the people said. They believed what the people said. Mm. And my counter argument to that is, you know, so are you, or my, I guess my follow-up question to the producers of the film is, so are you saying instead that we should follow your interpretation of the gospel? But I think that they also address that because the main point that the three of us are coming from, if, if you don't already know, is that we have direct access to the Father. In First John, it says that we have an anointing that... We don't have need of anyone to teach us, but the Holy Spirit has been given to us to teach us and lead us into truth. And Jesus prays and says to his disciples in, at the end of the book of John is that the Spirit will lead them into all truth. So we have each other for accountability pieces, but the main point I think that you should walk away with from this is that you have access to the Father. Mm. You need to open up your Bible and read it. And I think on a large scale, you know what, frankly, bro, I I do... I need to choose my words carefully. 
I'm a, <laughs> I'm a little disappointed with the way Todd White handled his response to this documentary because he I saw that too, called, man. He instantly called it demonic and he threw it away and, and he did the exact same thing they did is he limp, lumped it into a category. And I wish that what people in influence would understand a little bit better is that people are watching them and they learn from them. But what we need to help people do is bring them to the truth of the gospel and say, you can learn from Jesus. We go to Jesus and we have each other to be unified with if we're following Christ. So to answer your question, do we listen to Todd White? I mean, that's between you and the Father. I, I think that you should pray about that. I don't. I, I think that he has some really good things to say, but I don't take his word as gospel. I take God's word as truth, um, and I measure it with what I see there. So, Charles, I'm going to pass it over to you. Go for it. I think this is actually, I think you set me up for, both of you set me up for this point. It just hit me in the middle of saying, or listening to you both speak. God, like we said earlier, excuse me, <laughs> humanity has a way of trying to make itself God, right? To find power, to find success, to find comfort. And really what a lot of these people have done is sell the concept of having money, having power, having status in order to gain that for themselves. Mm. Now, here's yeah. the problem that I have. I'm not mad at Todd White. I'm not mad at Joel Olstein or Creflo Dollar or the long list of other pimp preachers that are out there. Ultimately, God is going to have his justice with them. Yeah. It's not my place to get in there chilly. What I will say is this. God is the answer. Yeah. God was the entire point of the gospel. God is the entire point of the Bible. In the same way, right, we have made the gospel and the Bible about us. We have made our churches and our lives about people like Todd White, yeah. like Kenneth Copeland, right? So they become, in a, in a weird way, kind of like lowercase g gods of their own individual faiths, right? Yeah. So by stepping up and leaving one of these churches, you get literally a cult-like following from a whole bunch of people and leading them like blind, leading blind into the ditch. Yep. The answer was Jesus. The answer tomorrow will be Jesus. And the answer right now still is Jesus. And if you are in a position, whether that be us or whether that be any of these people or any pastor across this world, our job is not to point all of the glory and all of this stuff back to ourselves or even back to our fellow man. Ultimately, our purpose is to point everybody to Jesus. Yes. Right? He's the only one who's got it. He's the only one who's got it figured out. He's the only one that can help you. Yeah. Sorry, I can't. Amen <laughs> to that. Well, guys, we are no. at time. So I just want to say thank you to you guys for... I, I love these podcasts because we get to disagree. We get to talk about our beliefs. We get to encourage each other. I, I think, Nick, you pulled me a little bit on some some things that I'd been thinking. So I really appreciate that. You too, Charles. This is such a good conversation. We are three buddies looking for some truth from a Christian perspective, Reclaiming Reality podcast. If you want to reach out to us, we are on Gmail, which is this really fancy Google site at Reclaiming Reality podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram. I don't remember the name to it. So we'll talk about that next time. We'll put a link in the... <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Have a good day, everybody.